0: We have to know what's going on in our country, and we don't. China's buying land. They're buying land next to military facilities. We have to stop this. It's time to basically say to China, look, if this is going to happen, we're going to just stop doing business completely.
1: This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, August 11th. I'm Samantha Sherris. And that was Chairman Mark Green, M.D., of Tennessee's 7th Congressional District. On today's episode, Representative Green, who chairs the House Homeland Security Committee, and I discuss President Biden's recent executive order on China, a lab in California that reportedly has ties to Chinese pharmaceutical firms, and much more. We'll get to my conversation right after this.
0: Want the inside scoop on what's happening here at the Heritage Foundation? Check out Heard at Heritage, an all-new show replacing the Heritage Events podcast. It'll feature cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement and, of course, the Heritage Foundation's premier events and programming brought straight to you. Check it out at heritage.org podcasts.
1: Joining today's episode of the Daily Signal podcast is Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee's 7th Congressional District. Congressman Green is chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, as well as a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Freedom Caucus. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be with you guys.
1: Yes, well, it's so great to see you again. I want to dive right in and talk about some recent moves by the Biden administration. On Wednesday, President Biden signed an executive order that aims to restrict U.S. investment in certain Chinese technology, specifically semiconductors uh, and microelectronics, quantum information technology, and artificial intelligence. That's according to the White House. First and foremost, what are your thoughts on this executive order?
0: Well, I think it's, uh, you know, a little late, probably too little, a little late. Um, you know, China has been stealing our technology for decades. Uh, the problem is, is the high tech stuff is now fueling their, their military expansion. So, um I know about two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, there was a robotics company that was bought out of Massachusetts. They didn't buy it for the robotics. They bought it to get the AI out of the company. Uh, And China's just been doing this left and right. So CFIUS has not met its uh, intended purpose. And and so the executive order is is certainly necessary. Um, I probably would have gone a lot further, but uh, I'm glad he did at least this.
1: And you just brought up uh, going a lot further. That was something I wanted to ask if, if if this executive order does go far enough. And to you, what would that look like in terms of being more aggressive toward China in, in this regard?
0: Yeah, we've got to look very hard at um, our, our cyber technologies. That's a big issue. Um, obviously, too, uh, their hacking is, is a big problem. So we've got to address that. But um, I I prefer the Josh Holly Mark Green uh, answer to the problem, which is a, a licensing for any type of technology. It gives us you know a second set of eyes outside of uh, Cepheus. the The process is more the you know I guess the issue for me than just saying this that and that. Um, so I want to put another layer of DoD specifically DoD but also state and commerce looking at this and and a licensing process would would add another layer. And and Senator Hawley and I have a bill, uh, or have had a bill, we've actually ran it two sessions now.
1: And is that in the current session? Is that in 118th Congress?
0: I need to check and see if we filed it. I know we talked about doing it and it's been rewritten for this Congress. I don't know if it's been dropped in the hopper yet.
1: Okay, well we will definitely keep an eye on that. Something else I wanted to ask you about is related along the same lines um you know after Russia's invasion into Ukraine back in February 2022 we saw so many companies announce that they were leaving Russia or scaling back their operations there when it comes to China and companies doing business um in China or with China and we think about the country's aggression toward Taiwan their role in you know the COVID-19 pandemic the fentanyl crisis Horrendous human rights abuses, um, the threats posed by TikTok. Have we seen the same sort of mentality toward doing business with China in China that we saw after uh, Russia's invasion into Ukraine?
0: Yeah, I don't think so, and and it probably has to do more with the interconnectedness of the economies. But you know, I have a bill, a nearshoring bill that would uh, compel, with some incentives, businesses to move their manufacturing to Latin America, shorten the supply chains, decrease the dependence on China, and perhaps even uh, decrease some pressure on our southern border by creating opportunity in Latin America. I also have a bill that would expense a move from China back to the United States all in one year. So clearly, I, I am very much for reshoring and nearshoring. The the, the the challenge to China right now, I mean, they're pretty vulnerable. They're looking all at deflation uh, in their economy, which is is pretty... I and mean, that's a tough one. Once you hit a deflationary cycle, um, it's really bad. But what that means for America is we're in an inflation cycle, so people are going to be incentivized to buy from China as prices fall in China. So we it just creates a, a bit of a challenge to us in this in this uh, nearshoring, but also an opportunity in that China's vulnerable. so.
1: And just speaking of uh, legislation, something that you reintroduced earlier this year was the Bring American Companies Home Act. What's the latest on this legislation and why is it important? Why is it needed?
0: Yeah, that's the bill I mentioned where we would expense a, a move of any U- you know, U.S. business manufacturing in China. If they move back their manufacturing to the United States, they could expense that move 100% in year one, which is massive, uh, you know, benefit to the company. Uh, obviously, the purpose is to create jobs here in the U.S. Um, and to decouple from China as much as we possibly can. You know, every time we do business over there, they get some tech or proprietary information from us. It's a part of their requirements. It also creates a data link, uh, and and you know fuels their data mining on on the American population. So. The more we can limit that, the more we can pull businesses home, the better it is for America.
1: Absolutely. In other China-related news, the Daily Caller News Foundation reported that the company that allegedly operated an illegal biolab in California housing infectious agents has ties to multiple related Chinese pharmaceutical firms. They also reported that between April and June 2023, officials in Fresno, California, discovered at least 20 potentially infectious agents such as hiv and malaria as well as mice genetically engineered to carry COVID 19 at an unlicensed laboratory first and foremost congressman green what are your thoughts on this
0: yeah it's shocking isn't it to think of these individuals you know tied to the chinese communist party because every business in china is tied to the chinese communist party um you know manufacturing dealing with potentially uh epidemic causing substances uh, the potential for weaponizing is is clearly um on the forefront of everyone's mind so yeah this is very very concerning um we we have to dig into this
1: yeah it's definitely and one other question i had and just related to you know this uh this reporting that we've been seeing My question is, what's the likelihood that a lab similar to this exists in the U.S.? I mean, how do we keep better tabs on on something like this?
0: Well, there's a couple of things we could do. One, we could stop letting our open border allow 14,000, and so far this year, almost 15,000 Chinese nationals, some with ties to CCP, coming into the United States and just released into the country. So that that would be a good start. But, you know, we, we have to... We have to know what's going on in our country, and we don't. China's buying land. Uh, they're buying land next to military facilities. Uh, we have to stop this. It's time to basically say to China, look, if this is going to happen, we're going to just stop doing business completely. And, and, and where they are right now, they can't afford that. So um, we're, we have the leverage uh, with their economy uh, sliding into deflation, and we need to act and, and stop this.
1: Just speaking of China buying U.S. land, I also wanted to ask you about that because it feels like we're getting more and more reporting on this issue in terms of ways to stop this. Um, is there anything in the works right now uh, that you have or at the um, congressional level with other uh, lawmakers that we can expect or are kind of you know, being put together behind the scenes?
0: You know the the real challenge here is federalism. I'm a big uh, you know believer in federalism, so I would prefer the states handle this themselves. You basically do the restrictions in Florida. I know has done that, um, but when it comes to land next to federal installations, I think perhaps the the federal government can act. And my team has been looking into whether or not legally and constitutionally the federal government can can basically um, demand or, or say no Chinese. You know. Chinese companies can't own land next to um, a military installation, for example, or a critical infrastructure like a a nuclear plant. Um, And once we get our legal opinion back on that, we may do something ourselves. There are plenty of bills already out there that are much more comprehensive, you know, can't buy any, any farmland or can't buy, you know, X, Y, or Z. And those, I think, uh, run the risk of violating states' rights. So I, I want to be careful with that.
1: And on the flip side, if someone in the U.S. wanted to go to China and buy land over there, probably wouldn't happen. Don't see that, uh, you know, as a as a real possibility. When we think about this, this issue, why do you think more and more people are becoming aware of it?
0: Yeah, I think the Chinese spy balloon really put people over the edge, even Democrats, you know, the moderates were already there from other things that had happened, COVID, of course, being a big one. But, uh, I mean, China has continued to act in the way that they uh, are sort of propagating their foreign policy. And, um, you know, that's, that's every day people get smarter and wiser to it all. But I, the real sort of flip the switch for a lot of people was the Chinese spy balloon.
1: Definitely. And one other thing I wanted to ask you about was last month, the House Foreign Affairs Committee passed your bill known as the Screen Act, um, or Stopping Communist Regimes from Engaging in Edits Now Act. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about this legislation and why there's a need for it?
0: Yeah, so the Chinese uh, have a propaganda arm, you know, and that propaganda arm uses things like the Confucian Institutes and supports to uh, high schools educational stuff programs to the high schools but they also use our entertainment industry and they basically edit uh, movies that are shining a light on for example what they did in tibet uh you know and so any any attempts to basically say that taiwan is a separate country get edited by the chinese and these things shouldn't happen uh, in our media. And so what we did is we, we limited federal support for movies and for movie companies that, that allow China to have um, you know, edit rights to the movies. Um, you know, the businesses that wanna make money in China, great, uh, we're, we're, we're not opposed to that, but um, you, know, you, you, you can't change the narrative uh, from truth to something other than truth and get the support of the federal government because you know, China is a competitor at the the least, and and an enemy for many of us.
1: One final uh, topic to discuss with you: I wanted to discuss TikTok. Seems yeah. to be more and more every single day. People are you know becoming more aware of the threats that the app poses, um, especially at the congressional level. There's been a lot of movement um, in terms of people just you know becoming more serious on the issue. When we think about the threats, uh, you know, whether it's national security, whether, um, you know, it's threats to young people, how do you get that message across to someone who just sees the app as, you know, innocent dance videos, um, you know, they don't maybe necessarily recognize the threats that the, that the app can pose?
0: There's two things that, uh, you know, in the hearing that happened in Energy and Commerce, nobody asked the question, where's the code written? Uh, they talked about where the data is stored and how the data is stored in Texas, et cetera. But nobody asked the question, wh- well, where's the code? Where's a patch to the code written? And so uh, having watched that and, and having some cyber responsibilities in homeland security, you know we have CIsa uh, in the Department of Homeland Security. I wrote a letter to the CEO and, and said, uh, where's, your, where's your code written? And he he came back to us and said, it's written uh, all over the world, but yes, some of it is written in China, which means, you know, how do we know there isn't a backdoor written into that code or a patch to the code that comes from China? So that risk means that all of Americans' data is available potentially to the Chinese. And we know they have a law that says, 2017 security law, any company has to provide its data to the government, to the CCP on demand. Uh, So, population mapping is something that's complex to understand, but after COVID maybe a little bit easier, you know, they hacked our insurance companies and got a lot of people's patients data. They, they hack hospitals, they get information about Americans health and then they have that information. Uh, they have, uh, let's, for example, a young, you mentioned a dance video. Well on the bookshelf behind the dance video is all the books that that is reading. That's population mapping. It's understanding the mindset. And from a commercial standpoint, you take that information and it helps your businesses compete against the United States businesses. So there's a commercial competitive advantage to data mining like that. But there's also a national security. If you've got all the data, the DNA of us from 23andMe, well, you you now can craft through your Wuhan lab or whatever, or your illegal lab in California, targeted you know, biological warfare. So we have this uh, commercial threat and we have a national security threat, and it's all because of data mining. Uh, China has a plan to know everything about us that, uh, that that need to know in order to defeat us. So we have to stop it.
1: Congressman Green, I have one more question uh, that just yes. popped into my head. <laughs> um how does the threat of the Chinese Communist Party differ from threats that we see from Russia, North Korea, Iran? You know, what makes this threat unique?
0: Well, China, you know, it's, it's an, I guess, the biggest threat it, for us is the changing of the rules-based international order. So, so how the deals are done globally. Uh, and they want to basically change the, the paradigm where they're running instead of the United States running the, the rules of, of international uh, uh, discourse and, and relations. Uh, their model, though, is the same model as um, you know, stealing information, tracking people, uh, social credit score, uh, what they're doing to the Uyghurs, Uh, What they're doing in Tibet and all these different things, right? So that's not who we want running the rules-based international order. We we want the what the West put together at the end of World War II, which has been very stable and kept peace for the most part. So um, that's probably the biggest threat. You know, it's not like uh, the CCP is going to come over here and uh, land troops in in uh, San Jose. But uh, very clearly, they want to control the Pacific, too. So a secondary goal for them is, is to control their near. Uh, and, and that's why I think the Belt and Road Initiative is very Sun Tzu. It's, there's an old uh, Sun Tzu you know, saying that says, make an ally afar to take on an enemy who's near. And the United States in the Pacific, the South Pacific, is considered an enemy to those guys. Um and so they, they are befriending people all over the world, Belt and Road Initiative, to basically take us on and, and block us out of the South, South China Sea. So both from a you know a big standpoint, the rules-based order, and then locally, um, they're in, in their region, they're doing everything they can to dominate.
1: Well, Congressman Green, thank you so much for joining us today. I wish it was a happier topic that we were discussing, yeah. but super important. Uh, thanks so much for your insight and, again, for joining us. Always great to see you. Yeah.
0: Thanks for having me. You guys have a great day.
1: And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Chairman Mark Green. If you enjoyed our conversation, be sure to subscribe to The Daily Signal podcast wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great Friday, and be sure to check back later for top news.
0: The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney,
1: and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.